Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. How do we rebuild from crisis? That is the question we have been asking ourselves for the last two or three weeks. And it's an important question because the world is in crisis and the crisis is not over. And when it is, there'll just be another one, won't there? There's always things going on. But when these uh, things seem to come at us, whether in the news... Uh, on a global scale or whether in our personal lives, whether difficult times come at us, crisis even, we must ask ourselves, how do we rebuild as we come out of those times, out of those times of difficulty and hardship? And how do we rebuild with God at the centre? How do we rebuild our lives with the eternal at the heart of who we are? And we've been reading through Haggai together, uh, which is a book in the Old Testament. Uh, And Haggai uh, is a very short little book, which is in no way the reason I was drawn to it. Um, But it's a record of his prophetic words and his sermons uh, that he preached probably about uh, the year 520 BC. So about 500 years before Jesus He stood up and preached and prophesied, and they are recorded for us. And it was at the point in history of real importance for Israel, the nation that he was part of. They had been taken into exile, they'd been taken to Babylon, and Israel, their, their land was destroyed. Jerusalem, their capital city, was also destroyed, and the temple at the heart of their capital city, which was the heartbeat of their whole nation, their religious life, their spiritual life, their identity as a people, was also destroyed. And then about 60 or 70 years later, they were allowed to return by the the king of Babylon. And it was a very big moment as they began to return to Israel. But when they returned, they discovered a mess. They discovered actually a huge rebuilding job. The city of Jerusalem needed to be rebuilt. And actually, if you read the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament, he tells the story of how the walls of that city were rebuilt. And then the temple itself needed to be rebuilt. So if you read the book of Ezra in the Old Testament, he would tell the story of how that temple was rebuilt. But it wasn't just the physical rebuilds that they needed to focus on. Actually, there's a realisation in these stories that there was something in their hearts that needed to be rebuilt, to be recentered. And God had called them to rebuild the temple, the physical building. But as we read that, it's actually quite easy to misunderstand it because it wasn't about the building. Because all buildings fall down eventually. They do. I I preached this uh, passage once in uh, our site in Gorton, and I preached it as we just moved into a brand new building there and had been um, built effectively by this charity. And the lady who ran the charity was in the room, and she'd raised well over a million quid for this building. And I said, all buildings fall down even this one, and she shouted abuse at me, but it will eventually. Uh, We went to uh, a family holiday to Rome in about 2019, 2018, and uh, there are these incredible old buildings there that are all just ruins. Uh, But when they were built, they spoke of great human power. They were centre of one of the greatest empires the world has ever known, and yet those buildings have fallen down. 
buildings fall down. They all come down eventually. And really, God is wanting them to rebuild their hearts, to actually look at the important deep things. He wanted their hearts to be for him. And the temple is a picture of that. So rebuilding needs to be thought through. Actually, when we come out of a crisis, just to think, you know what, I need to get back on with my life as quickly as possible. I just want the old routines back, the old way of living, the old comforts, all of those things. I just want them back. But actually, there's a, there's a moment to pause and think, which is what we've been trying to do in this series. And actually, I think for us as a church, it is a big moment to just think, okay, what is at the centre of who we are? How do we rebuild Properly, And I think it's important for us as individuals as well. And over the, the last few weeks, firstly, we looked at how we need to, to face up to the issue, to understand what the crisis is. Then secondly, we restore our relationship with God. And tonight, we're going to look at the third step in how we rebuild from crisis. And that is we need to deal with disappointments. And disappointment is one of those things. Actually, if we don't deal with it properly, it begins to linger in our hearts, those disappointments. We even begin to hold on to them and rely on them even, and they can fester in us. And slowly, they can actually begin to take our faith to pieces as we hold on to disappointment. And past disappointment can make you feel a bit hopeless about the present, and it can make you feel a bit hopeless about the future as well. But there is a way to deal with this. And and Haggai actually stands before the people in Jerusalem and teaches them that they need to deal with their disappointment. It's a very real issue to deal with it properly. So we're going to read, and it will appear up behind me if you haven't got your Bibles. If you have, you can go to Haggai 2. There's a lot of words on that screen. It'll be fine. I'll read it for you. Okay. Haggai 2, verses 1 to 9 says, In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatil, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people, and say, Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it as nothing in your eyes? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. According to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst, fear not. For thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more, in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. So this people were stood there and disappointment kind of hung over them bit like a cloud it just hung over them they had been through a very bad time and it's not like they just had a bad week it wasn't like there was just lots of revision to do and they they got a little bit behind on their revision or their boss had been a bit mean to them that week no actually they'd had a bad 70 years they'd had a whole generation of difficulty in fact there was a generation stood in front of Haggai that were born into difficulty born into exile born into captivity in some way And that disappointment 
had begun to set into who they were, actually. Crisis often does that. That disappointment can kind of begin to set in and mould you a little bit. But it must be dealt with, which is what Haggai was trying to do, or it can, uh, can cripple us. And to deal with disappointment, Haggai says, we, we need to face up to the past, really face up to the thing that disappoints us, to uh, work in the present and to look to the future. So, so let's follow that through and see what he says. By being, start off with looking at the past, how we are disappointed with the past. And he, he explains it in verse 3. Okay, and explains it very, in very simple terms. Remember, he stood preaching effectively in front of the people. And he says, who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? Uh, and I think he was stood on the foundations of this new temple that was being built. And he kind of points down, who here remembers the previous temple in all its greatness? That's what he's saying. How do you see it now? And what they're looking at is foundations that are much smaller, not as impressive And he says, is it not as nothing in your eyes? Now, memory is very powerful, isn't it? And and we all have good memories. I've uh, treasured memories of of time with my family, having fun with the kids, uh, time with Vicky, or or moments of joy in life, whether that's a great concert you've been to or just good times that you've had in life. Those memories are, are very powerful, important memories, There are also difficult ones as well, aren't there? When perhaps people have treated you badly or perhaps where you've behaved badly yourself and you you think back on it or things that have just gone wrong in life. And those memories can kind of come back to you, can't they, just at the wrong moment. And memories, whether we like it or not, affect our current behaviour, don't they? And memories can also be very sentimental as well. And we will say things like, remember how things used to be. Or perhaps we might say something like the good old days, which is a really very cynical language. It can make us quite cynical with the present. We might even say they don't make them like they used to. Or perhaps we might say these young people now, they don't know how lucky they are. Old people like to look down on young people and tell them that their life is easier than what theirs was. It happens generation on generation. That's because memory actually can produce cynicism within us. And Israel actually had a real memory problem. Their elders, so the, effectively the oldest people that were there listening to Haggai at that moment, they could remember the glorious temple. Perhaps some of them saw it as tiny little kids as they fled. Perhaps they had been told about it when their parents kind of retold the stories as they were in Babylon saying, well, let me tell you about what the temple used to look like, how Solomon built it with all these gold and this magnificence, and then it was destroyed. And so they were looking at something that was nowhere near as good as it should have been. But Haggai stood there and he's encouraging them to begin rebuilding anyway after previous attempts, actually had ground to a halt. So if we were to read the book of Ezra, actually Ezra tells the story of what happened there. He says, Many of the high priests and Levites and heads of the father's house, old men who had seen the first house, wept with a loud voice when they saw the foundation of this house being laid. And then not long after that, work ground to a halt until Haggai came along. They experienced some opposition, but they were also living with their own disappointments of actually this new temple is rubbish compared to the old one. It's not as good at all. And they stopped for for a number of years, actually. It really slowed them down. 
because hope was lost. They had a memory problem. They'd become deeply disappointed with their present reality because of the disappointment of the past. And disappointment can do that to us. When things in life don't go as we'd hoped they would, perhaps you go through a time of suffering or illness or, or difficulty in life, perhaps your present life is not as good as you thought it should be. Actually, our past can define our present. Disappointment can stop you. So is Haggai saying, okay, just put it out of your mind. Let's just think about it another day. Don't, don't, don't worry about it now. We've got to get this thing built. So let's just work hard and get through it, shall we? Actually, I think what is happening here is the God of Israel wants them to own up to what is disappointing them. To, uh, to own up to the fact your new temple is not as good as the last one. And there are a number of reasons for that. I think it's a little bit of a, a symbol of the fall of their nation. They had been humbled. They were no longer defined by the the grandeur of their buildings, the might of their armies, the wealth of their kings, the brilliance of their temple, their own personal success. They couldn't be defined by that anymore. They had lost their way as a nation. The temple actually was no longer about God being at the centre. The temple had become a picture of their own power and authority. And God wants them to understand this, to say, look at your disappointment, understand why you're disappointed, and then to walk through it into the next phase. Now, actually, calling out and naming our disappointment can be very powerful. It's almost like a a confession in some ways. It brings us into the light. And God wants them to look at the temple and say, is it as nothing in your eyes to own up to this past disappointment? Well, why does he want them to do that? It seems like, oh, that sounds like quite a, a depressing afternoon, owning up to all the things that have disappointed them. But actually, it's really important to get to this next stage. In verse four, he says, yet now be strong. Okay, so they're owning up to the disappointment with the past, the, even the disappointment with their, their present reality. And then he says, yet now be strong. He says, Zerubbabel, be strong. Joshua, you be strong as well. And then says, all the people of the land be strong, declares the Lord. And the yet now actually is a very powerful couple of words. They're effectively saying, yes, the world has changed. Your world has changed. Israel's world had changed. It was thought as a nation, they were at millions of people at least a million or so, uh, when um, they were invaded. And as they came back out of exile, it's thought there's probably tens of thousands of them. They were much reduced. It's thought actually many just stayed behind where they were in Babylon because they didn't want the very long uh, trudge back to uh, a, a destroyed nation. They were once hugely prosperous, but now they were just a region of Babylon. They were once very confident and hopeful, but now they were crushed and defeated. Now Haggai is saying, okay, all of that's true, but yet now, we are where we are. And for us, it can be different things, can't it? Perhaps a a career move that didn't quite work out in the way that we wanted to. Perhaps a, a relationship as well that ended in a way that was not what we wanted. Perhaps even it's a health issue, whatever it might be. There is a yet now call. And disappointment actually for Israel, doesn't change any of the things that happened. They still happened. 
And it's actually a very, very big moment for them. It's a very big call from God to actually, okay, yet now, let's go to work. Okay, yes, it's disappointing, but actually there is a new phase coming for you. We don't deny the past. It's really important we don't do that. But we do step into God's plan for the present. So when God says, be strong, what does he mean by that? And it's actually quite a common phrase in the Old Testament. God often says it to his people at key moments. And when he says that, what, what do you think he means? Does he say, "Come, just work up your strength, it'll be fine? Is he saying, man up, people of God's? Or even is he saying, look, you lot need to get over it? Or perhaps he's saying, just think positively and it will be fine. Actually, that's not how we deal with disappointment. When God says, be strong, what he means is, I am strong. In Isaiah 35, Isaiah writes this, he says, Strengthen the the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your gods will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. That's fascinating. What do we say to the anxious heart? We say, be strong. Not as in, just sort yourself out. Please pull yourself together. It's not that. It's be strong, fear not. Why? Because your gods will come. He will come and save you. So to deal with disappointment, to move on from the past, actually, we don't do it by our own strength. It's important, actually, as we are with each other, as we build community, as we are with our friends, perhaps as they're dealing with disappointment, um, whether it's people at church or not at church, it's very important we don't say, come on, just get over it, let's move on. Actually, we can say, look, I believe God is strong. I believe he wants to come and save us. Let's pray about these things that are disappointing. Let's see how we can move forwards in the present. We can do it because God is active. Because he's alive, because he strengthens us. And it requires some truth-telling, doesn't it? To ourselves, perhaps. Telling ourselves the truth about God, not lies about ourselves. So we could say things like, I can get through this, I'm strong enough. We could say that. Or well-meaning friends might say similar things to us. Or we could go down the other end of the, uh, the scale and say, I'm a complete mess. I've got no hope at all in dealing with it. And neither of those things are really super helpful in the long term. What we can say is what God says to Israel. He says, work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. And he reminds them, look, we had an agreement according to the covenant I made with you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit remains in your midst, fear not. So they were called to remember the call of God on them. Remember that you are a people, you're a holy nation, but you are called to work as well. You're actually called to play your part in his kingdom. And then he reminds them that my presence is with you. He says it twice, actually. He says, I am with you. And he says, my spirit remains in your midst. So the quality of the physical temple, the impressiveness of their endeavor and their work actually doesn't matter as much. God's presence within the people, among the people, is the important thing. So there are things that we are called to do as a church over the next few years, which uh, we believe in. 
We believe we want to plant more sites in Manchester, that we want to um, give more money away to the poor. We want to see our friends become Christians. We long to see lots more people get baptised regularly for us to encounter God's Believe all of those things. And that requires us to trust God. It doesn't require us to work harder. Also, you are called. Actually, I believe it here for, for many of you. You're called in, in your workplaces, in your families, in your friendship groups. Actually, to, to live for God. To be a, a believer, a disciple out in the world. You are called to do that. And that doesn't require you kind of suppressing all your disappointment and just working harder actually it calls us to trust God's to look for his spirit in our midst and know that call to not fear because God is with us and then finally we lift our eyes to the future in verse 9 he says look the latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former he's saying look although this temple does look like it is going to be smaller and when it is built it will be less impressive But actually, its glory will be much greater than Solomon's temple. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. So they're looking at this obviously smaller, much cheaper Aldi version of a temple compared to the the fantastic Waitrose version that Solomon built. And clearly it's not as good. But God says, look, this house actually is going to be much, much better. That's an important kind of thing to grasp, isn't it, for us? Our future is better than our past. It's worth thinking about that, even for yourself. Your future is better than your past. That's true for us as a church. It's true for us as you individuals. Now you think, well, Tim, that is a, that is a very big statement to make. How can you be sure about that? How can you know that my future is going to be better than my past? How can you be so confident? Well, actually... About 500 years after Haggai preached this, Jesus was stood very near to where Haggai kind of preached his sermon. He stood near to the temple and Jesus was talking to some religious leaders, some some priests and um, very much like Haggai was talking to. And Jesus said to them, look, if you destroy this temple in three days, I will raise it up. Now, you can imagine them looking at him at that, as he said that and then looking at the temple. And that by the time they're looking at the temple, it wasn't even Haggai's temple. It was a whole different one that Herod had built. And them looking at it thinking, that took decades to build. How on earth are you going to rebuild it in three days? What are you talking about? Now, Haggai's prophetic words that actually the future is better than the past and in this place there will be peace. When he said that, that was a, a nod forward to Jesus actually, to the perfect and glorious temple. Actually, Jesus is what the temple was meant to be. Jesus is God on earth. Jesus is God present with us always. When God says, I will be with you, we get to see that in Jesus. When he says, my spirit will be amongst you. Well, Jesus said that. Jesus said, I'm going to send my spirit to you. Jesus is the future temple and he will never disappoint. So this evening, just as we worship, as we pray, we can take our disappointment to the cross, to Jesus' death and his resurrection. Actually, all of that was a big exercise in rebuilding, in rebuilding this brand new temple, this place where God comes and meets creation. In that moment, he rebuilds a brand new kingdom as well, a brand new way of doing things. And the old one that was very much cursed with disappointments 
and crisis. Actually, Jesus builds a brand new one. And as Haggai said, this is a place of peace, not disappointment. It's very hard to know peace, isn't it, when you're disappointed with stuff, when stuff is bugging you, when things have gone wrong in life, it's hard to know peace. So we're going to begin by praying and we will pray our disappointment to Jesus. You can think that's a strange thing to do, but actually, as we do that, we hear his call to find strength in God, in the truth of who God is. And then he takes us forward into a better future. 